and you're listening to a sermon from Bent Tree Church in Loveland, Colorado. For more information about Bent Tree, visit BentTreeChurch.com. Good morning, Bent Tree Church. It is always such a pleasure for me and my family to, to be with you. I say that every time. I don't want to presume, though, that everybody knows me. Uh, my name is Frank Trimble, and I work for an organization called Family Time Training. So it's our passion, it's our mission to train and equip parents and grandparents to pass the Christian faith from one generation to the next in the home. That's what we live and breathe, home discipleship. Uh, but it's such a pleasure to be able to represent family time and, and come to what I consider to be my home church. This is the church that launched me into ministry. Uh, this is, this is uh, my heart home church for sure. So it's always a pleasure to be with you. It was literally uh, a jittery, excited joy as I drove down 25, which almost never happens, right, when you're driving on 25. So... Um, I wanted to say really quickly before we begin, just to encourage you, I've heard so many cool stories from Pastor Paul and the elders and the leadership here at the church of what God's done even through a season like last year, and how he's grown the church and not just numerically, but in so many really cool ways. And also specifically um, that God is bringing young men who are future pastors to this church. So uh, that's really special. Um, growing up, going to different camps and seminary and all these different things that used to be really common to do what they would call calling out the called. And so if you feel that God has called you to preach, men, if you feel like he's done that and you're here, I would say praise God that you're at this church and lean into the relationships that are provided for you here at this church, such as your elders, the staff here, any leadership here. Learn how to preach here. Uh, learn, learn how to shepherd here. You're in the right place. And so I just wanted to encourage you, young men, there are plenty of other things God's calling everybody in this room to in the community of Bentry and Loveland and beyond. But I just wanted to single out those young men that uh, God's calling you to do something real specific. And so we need men like you to love the Lord and have a passion for shepherding his people. So be encouraged, be excited, and get training. And so uh, I just want to bless your church today and just say, man, I, we are excited to be here I'm going to read our passage today before I pray, and then we're going to launch into it. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 3, primarily today. Hebrews chapter 3. And this church stands on the Word of God, recognizing it as inerrant. It's without error. It, can, it doesn't just contain God's truth. It is God's truth. Um, and so we want to read the passage today, just spend a moment in it. Then I'm going to pray, and then we're going to dive in it together. So this is Hebrews chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was in all God's household. For Jesus is considered worthy of more glory than Moses. Just as the builder has more honor than the house, now every house is built by someone, but the one who built everything is God. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's household as a testimony to what would be said in the future. But Christ was faithful as a son over his household. And we are that household if we hold on to our confidence and the hope in which we boast. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers tested me and tried me and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked to anger with that generation and said, they always go astray in their hearts and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my anger, they will not enter my rest. Watch out, 
brothers and sisters, so that there won't be any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage each other daily while it's still called today, so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. For if we have become participants in Christ, if we hold firmly until the end the reality that we had at the start, as it is said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who heard and rebelled? Wasn't it all who came out of Egypt under Moses? With whom was God angry for 40 years? Wasn't it with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. May God bless the reading of his word. Let's pray together. Father, we do ask that you have blessed the reading of your word. God, we believe that it's living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. We believe it's all inspired by the Holy Spirit. God, we are so reliant on that Holy Spirit this morning. In the name of Jesus, would you send the Holy Spirit uh, into this place, God, and be active among our people. God, I pray for Bent Tree Church as a whole, not just the men that we called out earlier, Lord, and tried to encourage, but just the whole church. Would you allow this church to have a hand in the revival that can take place in Loveland and beyond? Would you let truth continue to reign here and let this people be uh, after their master, full of, 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 of grace and truth? Father, would you have mercy on me as, we, as I preach today? And God, whatever's going on in the hearts of the people that are in person and online, God, would you meet with them wherever they're at? Would you take away distractions? And would you allow us to learn from your word today? We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. So a few months ago, I heard an interview with a New York Times bestselling author. And this bestselling author, her name is uh, Tara Westover. And she wrote a book called Educated, a memoir. And so this book, I think at the time of watching this uh, interview and listening to it, which had to have been over a year ago. At that time, it had already sold 2 million copies. And, I mean, it was just everywhere. Every talk show host was recommending it. Every talk show host was having her on. And that's because her story was pretty remarkable. So she was raised in a, in a hill country of uh, Idaho, right? A beautiful part of Idaho on the side of a small mountain. I think she was one of seven. Regardless, there's a lot of children. Um, and her father, especially was what I would call a prepper, right? So you guys know what I mean by prepper. So doomsday's coming. We've got to prepare for doomsday. Let's get a bunch of rice and a bunch of buckets. Let's find a basement and let's get ready, right? Like it's, there's TV shows about it. It's a lot of, it's a lifestyle based out of fear and trepidation. And uh, man, it, this was her dad to the T. No trust of any institution, any organization. Uh, she talked about how she would walk around with supplies for if and when the FBI surrounded their house and tried to attack them, right? So she would walk around with supplies for if and when the FBI finally came and shrouded their compound there. Uh, not just that, uh, but when Y2K was rolling around, and I, if, some, if you don't know what Y2K is, it just makes me feel ancient, but Y2K was rolling around, and her father knew that that was going to be the end of the world. It was a revelation from God, he believed. They were a part of the Mormon cult, and it was, boy, it was... Their whole lifestyle was about the end of the world. Can you imagine living in that, in that environment? It'd be, it'd be pretty tough. But along with those uh, fears of government overreach and all these things, the end of the world and FBI coming to take us over and all this stuff, war with the government, um, they didn't believe in, in public education, right? Which is not that uh, abnormal of a thought, right? A lot of people have misgivings about that. 
Uh, and a lot of people choose to homeschool and praise God for them. There's a lot of really cool homeschool things happening in the world right now. Uh, but this wasn't homeschool. This was neglect. Like they claimed to be in a homeschool family, but they didn't learn anything. Anything that Tara and her brothers and sisters learned was just on their own. Right? And so, but she, along the way, caught this vision that she could have a different life, that she could go somewhere else. So she went to the library and taught herself algebra, at least enough to where she could pass a test. She figured out what the ACT was, tried to get a good enough score to where it would be worth, worth noting on a college application. She found out that Brigham Young University had a history of hiring, uh, or not hiring, of, of admitting homeschool students. So uh, I think she fibbed a little bit on the, maybe on the application, said I was homeschooled to a high standard, right? She showed up, the first time she was ever in class was in college. I mean, ever. She went on, another reason why the story is remarkable is she went on to get her PhD from Cambridge. I mean, just like a fascinating, no wonder it sold two million copies, just a fascinating story. But a piece of the family's apprehension wasn't just government overreach, it wasn't just school stuff, it was also medical. So they didn't believe in doctors in in any way, shape, or form. So if you broke an arm, you're staying home, right? So if you get the flu, you're staying home. Mother was a, uh, she had a lot of herbs that she would try to use, and she was a midwife, and it was just no medicine, no doctors, it's not a good idea, right? Like that's what, that was what they thought. So she recounts the story of getting strep throat. And her father believed that the greatest thing you could do when you were sick is to go stand out in the outside and to find the sun, wherever the sun is. So if the spotlight was the sun, he would, in, he would encourage her, since it was strep throat, since it had to do with the throat, stand, face the sun, and open your mouth to the sun, and the rays will then help or cure your strep throat. Well, what happened? You got more sick. <laughs> You know, to bur- you know, like it was bad, you know, tonsillitis. I mean, it was just bad. What she needed was antibiotics. What she needed was the God-provided care. Thank God for doctors, right? Thank God for nurses. Um, but what she got was more sick. She, she escaped this environment. But that story came back up in my mind while I was thinking about this message and thinking about what we're going to talk about today. Because at worst, if you hear that story of the abuse that happened in her home and the neglect that happened in your home, you're going, that's something you call the authorities on. A child's being abused. Right when you hear her story, when you read her book, it becomes even more more clear. But it's but on the best case scenario, it just looks silly when you picture that young child doing what her father said, standing out there with her mouth gaping open on a hill in Idaho in the winter. Doesn't make any sense. And you know what that reminded me of? That mouth gaping open towards the sun, hoping that that those sun rays would heal it. It's like a Christian who decides that they can do life on their own. A Christian who decides to do life on their own. It's not, let me be more specific. With the mouth gaping open, staring at the sun, it's like that person with their mouth gaping open saying, the membership thing, it doesn't really matter. I'm just going to come. We'll see what I get out of the service. And when I come back, I'll come back. My pastor at my church in Inglewood says, you know, the average church, faithful church attender in Colorado comes once a month, once or twice a month. They consider themselves active. They consider themselves committed. It's like with a mouth open, looking at the sun going, I can meet God better in the mountains than I can with the people of God. No, it's a crowded. I'm not a people person. I'm not a people person. I just want to be by myself. I mean, I want to spend, doesn't the Bible talk about going off and being by yourself? So, I mean, all that stuff is just organized religion. Maybe it'll heal me. Maybe I'll get closer to God if I abandon his bride. Maybe I'll get closer to God if I just treat them as people I see every once in a while. 
with respect to those who genuinely cannot come, with respect to those who genuinely, physically, medically cannot be with us today, with respect to what happened last year, with respect to to work schedules that are literally unavoidable if we have an ability, if we have the ability to join with the brothers and sisters, not just to sing, not just to hear the word, but so much more of what we're going to talk about today. If we have the ability, we must come because we are in the fight of our lives. Let me unpack why I believe we're in the fight of our lives. Hebrews chapter 3. Therefore... Holy brothers and sisters who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. What you need to know about the book of Hebrews, it it won't do it justice because it's such a wonderful, amazing, exciting, intriguing book. Is to know the thing. This is the thing. Jesus is better. Jesus is better. I can't wait for you guys to sing the song we're going to sing at the end of the service. Jesus is better, period. No qualifications. Jesus is better. If you want to know the theme of Hebrews, Jesus is better. What's better than what specifically? Maybe better than angels, angelic beings. People were confused about that and have been confused about that. Better than angelic beings. If an angel showed up in this room, we'd all be terrified. I'd probably be running, right? Better than angels. Jesus is better than Moses. And Moses is one of the greatest leaders of all time, regardless of what religious background you have. One of the greatest leaders of all time, especially if you're a Christian or even if you follow Judaism, you view Moses in a really high regard. Moses was a friend of God. Moses was a man of faith. Moses was a good leader. Moses was a praying leader. Moses interceded on behalf of his people when God was angry with him. Jesus is better than Moses. Jesus is better than the priestly system of the Old Testament, the sacrificial system of the Old Testament. Do you know, according to the book of Hebrews and what we see in the Old Testament, that high priests would have to go into the temple. They would have to offer sacrifices for themselves because they were people. And then they could offer sacrifices for the people. They were sinners. Moses was a sinner. Every person you see in scripture was a sinner. The very law That the Pharisees tried to uphold the very law, the very first five books of the Old Testament that the Sadducees tried to uphold with dogmatism and the whole nine yards. All sinners, none of them could do it, but Jesus did. Jesus is the law fulfiller. He's the greater high priest, the the better king, priest, prophet. Jesus is better than anything. He is the founder and perfecter of our faith with whom we need to keep our eyes on. He's our brother. He's our friend. He's our savior. Jesus is better. Want to know what Hebrews is about? We're going to see some other themes today, but Jesus is better. He says, therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in a heavenly calling, talking to believers here, consider Jesus, the apostle, the sent one, and the high priest, the better high priest, the one who can sympathize with our temptations because he was tempted like we are tempted in every way. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, that's his father, just as Moses was in all God's household. For Jesus is considered worthy of more glory than Moses, just as the builder has more honor than the house. Now every house is built by someone, but the one who built built everything is God. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's household as a testimony to what would be said in the future. But Christ was faithful as a son over his household, and we are that household if we hold our, confe- our confidence and the hope in which we boast. Moses was a sinner, but he was a good leader. Moses was a sinner, but he was called a friend of God. 
specifically to the verses we just read, Moses was an imperfect man, but he did what God told him to do. He was a faithful servant to what? The household of God. And you see Moses right here, and then the author brings you over to Jesus. You say, you see Moses? We like Moses, right? Now look at Jesus. Jesus is a son. He's not a servant. He's a son. Who built the house? God. Jesus is God's son, and he was faithful as a son. What's God's household? When we think about what's God's house, most of us would think of this building. And a lot of time, a lot of time, people will use that against the gathered church of God and say, the church isn't a building. There's no need. I can worship God in a mountain. You know what I mean? They'll use that. They will use that excuse with their mouth gaping open at the sun. However, it says, we are that household if. Now, there's a big theme all through the book of Hebrews. Hebrews, at the exact same time, provides some of the most comforting messages in the whole Bible. Come, come to the throne of grace with confidence. Because of what Jesus has done, Christian, you can come to him with confidence. Totally wrapped up in his grace as a brother of Jesus or a sister of Jesus. You are with God and nothing can remove you. I mean, there's several different parts of the book of Hebrews that just make you just, whoa, thank God. And there are some of the most terrifying passages in scripture in the same book. Confusing to so many, including me. Even in this one chapter where we're reading today, I want to help you identify the ifs. I want to help you identify where God says, listen, watch out, endure, persevere, hold fast, hold on, stay with it. It's all over this book and it's all over this chapter. He says, if what? We hold on to our confidence... And the hope in which we boast. What do we boast in? The hope that we have. It's like we're saying, I'm a Christian. I put my hope in Jesus. I was saved when I was, I was baptized when I was boast, mouth, confidence, confession. If we do what to that confidence, to that confession? If we hold on. Let's keep going. Therefore, so in light of the greater son, in light of the greater Moses, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. And I would say to you, Bentry Church today, and to myself, today, if you hear the voice of the Father, if you hear God through his Holy Spirit-inspired word, do not harden your hearts to that message. It's urgent. It's a lifeline. Don't do it. In Hebrews chapter 4, it talks about how the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. This isn't just a book. If you hear the word of God coming to you today, and it's specific to you as the Holy Spirit will do, don't turn him away. Listen. He says, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. He's quoting from Psalm 95, 7 through 11. As in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked to anger. This is God talking with that generation. And said, they will always, they always go astray in their hearts, and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my anger, they will not enter my rest. Immediately, that context meant they won't go into the promised land. The next generation would. But those that rebelled in the wilderness, dead in the sand. Because of their unbelief. 
And the author of Hebrews quotes the author of Psalm 95 and gives us a clue. See the examples of the wandering Israelites and run from it. See the example of the faithless Israelites dead in the sand, outside of rest, and run from their example. The first point I want to give to you is this. The example and word of Jesus, the better Moses, the greater Moses, leaves us without excuse. The example and word of Jesus leaves us without excuse. Don't you wish you could have seen the Red Sea parting? It would have been amazing, magnificent. It would have been incredible. Literally between a rock or a hard place, or more accurately, between one of the most powerful armies in the world and a sea, you've got nowhere to go, you're going to die, you're a bunch of freed slaves, and they're an armed Calvary having, chariot having infantry. I mean, this is, this is an army coming to destroy you. You've already seen amazing things. God has already turned the Nile to blood. Locusts have already come. Horrible plagues happened because of the disbelief and rebellion of Egypt. And you saw it. Your own children were spared when you put the blood on the posts. The angel of death passed over you and you saw it. You heard the screams of those that lost. Then God opened up the Red Sea. Just like the song we sang, this is amazing. He turned a sea into what? A highway? It's a kind of a fun way to talk about that. Turn a sea into a highway. God made a way for them. They walked over on dry land following the leadership of Moses. And what did they do on the other side? Miriam led them in a song. Praise God. Can you imagine the euphoria of that moment? Can you imagine the joy of that moment? Just endorphin rush on the max. In that moment, we made it. Not only that, we made it and he conquered our enemies. And he did that because the Israelites were so good. No. <laughs> like five seconds later. I don't know if any of you kids watched Spongebob growing up, but like five seconds later. You know, like, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> the Israelites are complaining, making, compl- turning complaining into an art form. Moses, you should have let us stay slaves. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. At least we had predictable meals as slaves. Even though we called out to you and you delivered us, this is uncomfortable. Wouldn't you have loved to see? Wouldn't you have loved to see the manna come from heaven? Wouldn't you have loved to see, even though Moses made a mistake, remember sinful Moses, he got frustrated and just jacked that rock. And water just comes out of the rock. Wouldn't you have loved to see the miraculous pouring out of water out of that rock from rebellious Moses? Based on the mercy of God? Yeah, we would have. And you know what they did whenever they saw all those miraculous things and God sending quail and manna and water, sustaining them, guiding them, allowing his presence to be made known with them? They rebelled on the mountain of Sinai. Moses is literally on the mountain. There wasn't a person all around them when he first went up there that denied the presence of God is on that mountain. It was a holy thing. It was an obvious thing. And what did they do when he was up there? They made a golden calf. And they worshipped it. And they threw a big party. And Moses came down with the stone tablets of the law that God graciously gave them for their thriving. And they're having a pagan worship service. And he smashed the, he smashed the Ten Commandments. Anger from Moses. Anger from God. I give you this today. If you saw every miracle in the world... That's not what gets you into heaven. If you saw every miracle in the world, that doesn't equal faith. 
God calls you today not to trust in miraculous signs and to, and to God to show up in this way. God calls you to have faith in him. Hebrews chapter 11 and 12. Look, look through, look at the hall of faith. Look at what God defines as faith. Look at the examples of those in the Old Testament who did have faith in God, even though they didn't receive the promise of it in this life. The Israelites, they say, man, but what we have is the word of God. Like what Peter said when he said, I saw Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. We were eyewitnesses to his glory, but we have something better. The prophetic word, which you will do well to pay attention to until the morning star arises in your heart. Until, the, until Jesus comes back. The example and word of Jesus leaves us without excuse. He says in verse 12, after giving the example of the rebellious Israelites that did not enter rest. He says, watch out. Remember when I said if? In verse 6, here's another. Watch out. Remember, he's addressing this to Christians. Watch out, brothers and sisters, so that there won't be any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage each other daily while it's still called today, so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. For we have become participants in Christ if, if we hold firmly until the end the reality that we had at the start. Go back to verse 6. If we hold our confidence at the hope and the hope in which we boast. Go back down to the verse we just read in, chapter four, or in verse 14. If we hold firmly to the end the reality that we had at the start. I'm a Christian. I'm saved. All my hopes in Jesus. If we hold, if we persevere, if, if, if. But let's not miss this. Let's not miss this. What fight are we in? We don't want somebody to drift away. When he says watch out in verse 12, he says watch out so that we will watch out, so that we will pay attention. What are we watching out for? Brothers and sisters, so that there won't be any of you, think of Bent Tree Church. I want you to focus in on the members of Bent Tree Church now. Any of Bent Tree Church, an evil and unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage each other daily while it's still called today, so that none of Bent Tree Church is hardened by the sin's deception. We're in the fight of our lives. And what that fight looks like is not fighting people with our fists. In this regard, it's not even standing up in the community. That's for another time. This talk right here is about fighting for one another. Amen. Fighting for one another against the deceptive nature of sin. Against the deceptive nature of sin. People have said in the past, sin is not boring. It's attractive. But we have to know, just like the devil, Jesus said, is the father of lies. It's the language he speaks. is lies. Sin is deceptive. It will lull you in to your mouth being wide open, gaping at the sun. Saying, I can figure this out on my own. I'm not a people person. I don't want to be around people. I just want to read my devotional at home. I don't need this established and the mouth is wide open. When the author of Hebrews says, no, you desperately, in a vital sense, need your members. You need your brothers and sisters of Bentry. The universal church is a reality. Praise God for that. 
You have a connection to people in India. You have a connection to people in the Congo. You have a connection to people, yes, even in Texas, right? That is a reality, but we're talking about Bentry today. You are in a fight for, not against, one another. There's something that's really common right now. Very common. It's popular even. It's praised in culture. And here's what it is. It's very common. They're called deconstruction stories. Deconstruction stories. So what this is, is somebody, most of the time it's a famous musician, an actor, pastor, and author. Um, Let's see, comedians. I mean, you name it. They're famous, and at one point they claimed a version of Christianity. No telling what form that was. Prominent worship leader leading thousands of worship every week. And then they say, then I was exposed to other experiences. I was exposed to other literature. I was exposed to other things, and I'm no longer a Christian. Their story was deconstructed as they were given more experiences. And they proudly proclaim to the audience on Instagram, to the audience on TikTok, this is real, the audience on YouTube, the audience on whatever you want. They mysteriously feel the need to proclaim that to others. And then they say, with the most bliss I've seen, they say, I've never been more at peace. Sin's deception. Deceptive. I've never been more at peace. I've never felt like God was more pleased with me than now. If there's a God, I've never felt more pleasure from him than now. Here's the alarming truth about deconstruction stories. 1 John 2.19 says, They departed from us because they were never among us. This is Bible. And you don't need to go up to somebody that's experiencing doubt, which every Christian experiences. You don't need to go up to somebody who's experiencing a difficult time, which everybody experiences a difficult time. You don't need to go up to somebody who's saying, God, are you there? And I'm struggling. You don't need to go up to somebody like that and say, you were never among us. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) stinks to be you. Even one of these stars that gets on, they used to lead people in worship. I mean, arenas filled with people singing a song like Hosanna. Maybe writing a song like Hosanna. Literally. Stadiums filled with people, and he's standing up in front proclaiming Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, and leading people to worship the true God. He says, No. Even that person, you don't go up to him and say, Stinks to be you. Why don't you get with the program? You never were one in the first place. No, act like Jesus. But understand this truth. If you've been lured in by the deceptiveness of their testimonies, realize that it is impossible for a converted, child of God, member of the household of God, to not be a Christian anymore. It can't happen. Romans chapter 8 is a great and wonderful passage that should give so much comfort to you as a believer. You can't even remove yourself from the hand of God. The doctrine is called the perseverance of the saints. And man, is it here. If you could save yourself, then it's up to you to keep yourself. Praise God that our power didn't save us Praise God that it's not our power that preserves us. And yet God still says, hold on. Through the Holy Spirit, if, hold on, persevere, push through. The one who is mine will persevere to the end. One of the greatest fruits of somebody who really has been converted is that they will remain. Will they rebel? Yes. They always come back. They always repent Because if you're a Christian, when you hear the warnings of books like Hebrews, it makes you want God more. 
you know what a dead person does with these warnings? Nothing. Because they're dead. I used to work at a funeral home. It was awful. I respect that field. Do you know what dead people do? Absolutely nothing. But what if you go, they do nothing. They do nothing because they're dead. Do you know what alive people do? When they hear something like that, they go, that is heavy. I need to take that seriously. Like Paul says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Talking to Christians in this, it says, watch out. For yourselves, yes, but watch out for others. And what is the weaponry by which we fight? Encouragement. Look at verse 13 again. But encourage each other when? Yes. Encourage each other daily while it's still called today, like today, like Sunday, like today. Encourage each other daily so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. Just picture this. This is what happens. Like what this deception looks like. Yeah, deconstruction stories, all these things. People proving that, unfortunately, God forbid, they were never a part of the household of God in the first place. But this is what it looks like with church members so much of the time. I think I'm going to take a break from church. Callous. Because God never intended that to happen. It's outside of his design. You know, I think I'm going to try some new methods really don't involve all of this. I mean, it's man-made. It's stuff. It's, I don't know, but what, the church building, all that stuff? Do we have to be members? I don't need other people. I actually hate other people. Uh, people have bad breath. That one dude at church is wildly annoying. You know, that one lady at the church, whether it's 6 a.m. or 7 p.m., she's basically yelling kindness at me. Let's just stay home. I got to tell you, I will never forget the Sunday when quarantine was done. That happened in Texas a long time before here, for better or worse. We were going. I will never forget, because let me tell you, and I, res- and I don't want to say anything against those that have lost. I mean, it was awful. Nothing good to say about Corona. But for our little family of four, I can tell you, some of the sweetest times in our family's history were spring of 2020. Why? Because we could do nothing. We had no opportunities to do anything. In fact, we would get in trouble if we did something. We were just forced to be at the house. We went outside. It was crazy. We flew kites. We took care of the garden. We spent, we, we spent time together. And we watched, we watched church on TV. Praise God for that technology. Praise God for what he did. Praise God. God did so many wonderful things during that time. For the first time in church history, the church couldn't meet globally. Amazing to think about. I will never forget the, the morning that I was driving. I remember my car was broken down, which was pretty normal. And I was driving the church van to our first Sunday back. I was scared. I was sad. I was mad. I took a little, I mean, it was such a powerful moment. I took a little journal like on my phone because I didn't want to forget it. I was mourning the end of that season. I know that sounds so weird, but I was mourning that sweet time. I like pajamas in front of the TV with my kids and we're doing our best to worship and all that stuff. I was mourning the time away. Like, you coming to church will never be easy. It'll never be easy. It's not entertainment. It's for your good. I would say, I would say way more, it's for your survival. God forbid 
that you would be one of these that continues moving. Your heart is hardened. You have people encouraging you, but you just turn away like he warns against. And then all of a sudden, you never return. People of God, watch out for one another. The weapon by which you fight against this problem is encouragement. Encouragement like what? Like, hey, you're real pretty. No, encouragement through the word of God. The hardest piece about this is, guys, it's common in Christian culture that if somebody wants to come up to you and encourage you with God's word, like chapter 4 talks about living and active, that you reject them. Well, here we go. Holier than thou. Pastors will say, don't say any verses. Don't, Don't say, just be there with them. Yes and amen. That's true. But please don't miss God's word as well. Because without God's word, whatever you're hearing won't heal, won't build, won't grow, won't protect, won't strengthen. It's just you. And I've always, I've always enjoyed how funny you are. So just keep it up, buddy. I know you're going through a hard time, but we like you. No. They need the word and you need the word. And here's the beautiful thing about it. You're encouraging them. And then what's going to happen later? They're going to encourage you. Today, as it is said, today, if you hear his voice, he, he repeats it. Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Let loose. Just give it to God. Don't resist today at Bentree Church, today online, wherever you are. Don't resist the voice of the Holy Spirit. Lean into his grace. For who heard and rebelled? Wasn't it all who came out of Egypt under Moses? With whom was God angry? For 40 years. Wasn't it with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. These people were restricted from entering the rest of the promised land. The author of Hebrews is using it as an example to say, don't be among the faithless few, the faithless mob, sorry, that are restricted from entry into permanent rest. The true promised land. Heaven. The second thing I want to tell you is, as we follow Jesus, we must actively fight for one another. Remember Hebrews 3.13. Bentry members, it's not just about you. It can't be. You're in a fight for the protection of, for the health of, for the soft hearts of your brothers and sisters at Bantry Church. It's not just you. All through the book of Hebrews, there's these large and amazing themes and so hard to understand at times. Just the grandeur of who God is and what he did in the Old Testament and what Christ did and what he did on the cross. I mean... The, the priests would have to go in every year and offer sacrifices every year for themselves and, and for others. And those sacrifices would be bulls and goats and doves and grain offerings and all the sacrifices that were commanded by God. They were all shadows, according to the book of Hebrews, pointing to the once for all sacrifice that Jesus fulfilled. The spotless lamb of Jesus Christ coming to the cross, obeying the law of God perfectly, administering as high priest the perfect sacrifice, which amazingly was himself amazingly was himself. You have truths like this all over the book of Hebrews. It's a beautiful book. It's amazing. It helps so much with understanding the Old Testament. Every once in a while, the author will break in with the 313. Or the author will break in, like where we'll be in just a second, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 through 25, with instruction for them and instruction for Bentry Church. 
Chapter 10, verse 23 says this, Let us hold on, there's another one, to the confession of our hope without wavering, since he who promised is faithful. And let us watch out for one another to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some is in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other all the more as you see the day approaching. If I go back to where we were, 313, but encourage each other daily while it's still called today so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. Uh, 1025, not neglecting to gather together as some is in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. As you see the day approaching. The third point is this. We meet regularly to fight for one another by encouraging one another. What does he say in chapter 10, which is very similar to chapter 3? He says, there's another weaponry here, there's another tool. Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering since he who promised is faithful and let us watch out for one another, not neglecting to meet together as some is in the habit of doing, but what? Encouraging one another. Encouraging one another, each all the more as you see the day approaching. This is, this is what we're to do. This is what you are to do. And this is what my family is to do at our church in Inglewood. To the best of our ability, with God's word on our lips, we are to encourage the brothers and sisters every day. And in chapter 10, he says, as you see the day approaching, that's the day of the Lord. That's when Jesus comes back, which could be at any point. He says, encourage one another as long as it's called today. And I want to show you one more passage in Hebrews. It's Hebrews chapter 12. You don't have to turn there if you don't want, but it's in verse 15. Make sure that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no root of bitterness springs up, causing trouble and defiling many at Bentry. And make sure that there isn't any immoral or irreverent person like Esau who sold his birthright in exchange for a single meal. That hardening of the heart, like Hebrews chapter 3 talks about, Hebrews chapter 12 gives another beautiful image of a root of bitterness springing up. And that root of bitterness is going to choke out the truth of God's word. Have you ever been better at church members? If we're honest, we say yes. Have you ever been annoyed by church members? And it takes it and it crushes it. And then you hear a story on Instagram or you hear a story on Twitter. Somebody else got, I mean, somebody else, man, they, they, they had a bad experience at church as well. And somebody else, I mean, man, they had a pastor betray them. They did that too, and they said that they're more hopeful than they've ever been before. Maybe that's for me. The author of Hebrews would say, hold on. If. Hold on. Persevere. This is a fight. Can you see what's happening? You're being deceived. Watch out. Who's saying this? God is saying this in who says this to who? You say it to your brothers and sisters. Buddy, you've been gone for four weeks and, and are you doing okay? Yes, I'm doing okay. We just had a hard time. You know, just, we've just been, uh, my job has kept me at work and I'm sorry. You know what? You're right. And you say, I'm not condemning you. Not at all. Because by the way, you're not the sin police. You're reaching out to encourage as one covered in grace Every act like this is one that's based out of a hope of restoration. Even church discipline. Even when somebody in the church, somebody within the membership of the church has to be disciplined based on God's word from Jesus and from Paul. 
Even that's restorative in its nature. In other words, we want you to be here. Big Tree Church wants you to be here, and they don't want you to fall prey to the deception of sin. So you call that brother, you call that sister and say, I genuinely miss you. Is everything going all right? Yeah, everything's going all right. They might even get mad at you. Yeah, everything's going all right. I just, it's been tough. You know, I should get back and say, but I'm, I'm with you. And I, I know what that feels like. Is there anything I can do? Leave it with them. And I know people get annoyed whenever they're called too many times. But I beg you. I beg you. To the best of your ability, allow the grace of God to cover you when they come to you. Allow the grace of God and the mercy and the patience of God to cover you when a well-meaning brother and sister comes in with abrasive speech, bad breath, but great intentions. And says, I haven't seen you in a while. Sees you at Walmart. Is everything going okay? Why would you say that? Of course everything's okay. I've got stuff to do. I mean, we've got so much going on. Why would you say that? Realize that when we push back against that, we're pushing against Hebrews 3, Hebrews 10. Hebrews 12, and so much more. Give them the mercy of accepting their attempt. (laughs) Give them the mercy of accepting what they're doing. And I'm going to end with this. I'm going to end with this. Uh, Philippians chapter 2 has a great picture of the amazing fact that Jesus came here. Hebrews chapter 1 is another passage that's great with that. Colossians chapter 1 is another one. I mean, just like when you sit there and think about Jesus, the Son of God, coming here, it should blow our minds. Why? Because he came knowing that he would die. Not just knowing that he would die, knowing that he would die a death on the cross. Not just knowing that he would die a death on the cross, but that he would be killed by those he loves. I just think about, and movies and shows can never do justice to this. But just think about when Jesus is on trial, in that secret trial leading up to the crucifixion. Hebrews 1, Colossians 1, John 1 talks about how everything was created through Jesus. Can you imagine Jesus standing in front of these men and women and the men are accusing him? They're spitting on him. They're pulling out his beard. They're hitting him. They're saying lies about him. And what does he do in fulfillment of prophecy? He says nothing. Can you imagine the irony of the situation with Pontius Pilate? Can you imagine Pilate feeling as if he has power? Standing with Jesus. Well, who are you again? Do you know I have the power to set you free? <laughs> Jesus. Can you picture that scene? Can you, can you picture the irony? If Jesus, the one who the book of Hebrews says, the founder and perfecter of our faith that we should keep our eyes on, go read Hebrews 11 and 12. Strengthen the weak knees, persevere, keep going, and your leader is Jesus. Can you picture him coming to his creation knowing that he would die a gruesome death? He's our leader. He's our master. He's our model. If Jesus can do the Philippians 2 humiliation, if Jesus can do what happened leading up to and at the cross, if Jesus didn't stay dead but rose again and creates in us a new life and a new heart and new desires, we can go to the annoying church member. We can receive the encouragement of a brother or a sister even if they, man, they mess it up. Even if you feel attacked. If he served us, 
can we serve each other? The author of Hebrews says, you must. You must. Those that are dead hear the warnings of Hebrews and they say, I'm hungry. What's for lunch? Once saved, always saved, right? I'm good. So I don't really care too much about that. Those that are believers, when they encounter passages like this, they go, that is a strong word and it unsettles me, but I want Jesus. It's unsettling, but I want him. God, is there anything in me? Is there something in me that needs to be repented of? Is there something in me that I've held on to? Am I being deceived? And they lean in. You are saved by grace. God keeps you through grace. You will never be dropped by God. And in the midst of that relationship, in the midst of a fallen world where you will encounter temptation after temptation, you will encounter so many desires to not be with your brothers and sisters in the, in the family of God called Bentry Church. You will encounter so much. And the author of Hebrews says, fight for one another. Fight for one another under the grace he's provided. Would you close your eyes? What I want to do is I want, I want to ask you, everybody in the room, but especially the people who say, Bent Tree is my home. Bent Tree is my church. I've, come in it, I've covenanted with these people. Bent Tree is my home. I want you to think about somebody in your church that God has already put on your heart to encourage with his word, to be a presence in their life. If you don't have a verse to give to somebody, don't beat yourself up, but is there somebody on your heart even now that God's calling you to encourage? My, my charge to you today, as best you know how, is to encourage them. Today. As long as it's called today. As we see the day approaching, we don't have time as our friend. Encourage them today. You don't know what people are going through. Encourage them. Now to the other side of that coin, if you're somebody who would rather punch them in the throat than listen to them, I want you to ask God for the patience of hearing them. I want you to ask God for the patience of hearing them, knowing that they're doing their best to obey God's word and knowing that they love you. Think of somebody specifically by name that God is calling you to encourage. And then for everybody, not just some, for everybody, if somebody encourages you, take it. Take it. Internalize it. And if you begin to be confused and offended by it, go to the scripture. And if you have not been welcomed into the household of God, if you are not a part of what Paul calls the commonwealth of Israel, if you've not been brought in, if you're not a Christian, if you've never been born again, if you've presumed upon the grace of God, if none of this has mattered to you until today, say, if the Holy Spirit speaks to you today through his word, don't harden your hearts. If you've never come to know Jesus, come to him today because that cross thing we talked about, he did it based out of love for you. Romans 5, 8, God displayed his love for you and that while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. Hebrews says, for the joy, so could you, how? But for the joy set before him, he endured the shame. He endured the cross. Come to Jesus today for salvation. You can't save yourself. 
Your sin separates you from him. But Jesus made a way. Come to him. Put your faith in him and watch him change your life. Don't wait until tomorrow. Do it today. Father, we come before you today as people in need of encouragement. It is so easy for me to get down. It's so easy for me to doubt you. But God, I'm thankful for the brothers and sisters that won't allow that to happen in my life. I'm thankful for the brothers and sisters who fight for me. Fight to ask me. Fight to inquire. Fight to fight like a a medic on a battlefield to see if I'm okay. To check my heart. God, would you rise up and raise up encouragers in this room? Would this church be known even more than it already is now as a church of encouragers, as a church of truth? Father, I pray that you would soften the hearts of those who up to this point have been resistant to your word. Father, I pray that you would strengthen the weak knees of those of us, us, that are too scared to encourage people. Would you make us more of a family? Would you make Bentry Church more of a family? Would you call out those who have not joined this church to become accountable, knowable members of this body? Father, I pray for those who don't know you yet, God, that they would come to you today, that they would put all their trust in you for all things, that they would surrender all things to you, put their faith in you, put their trust in you. God, we give you that. As we prepare for our communion, God, I I pray that you'd have mercy on us and the task that you've given us to do based on your word today. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Bentry Church. To get connected at Bentry and for more information, please visit BentryChurch.com.